Grow CFO is where finance leaders grow together. Join thousands of like-minded professionals using GrowCFO to access the combined knowledge and experience of the finance leader community. You can join us today at growcfo.net. Hello and welcome to the GrowCFO show. I'm your host, Kevin Appleby, and today I've got Russell Thackeray with me. Kevin, hi. It's a joy. It certainly is, Russell. And Russell, there's a reason for this. A couple of weeks ago, in our Grow CFO Situation Room, we started talking about surviving lockdown. And essentially, all those issues that people were having that this isn't a novelty anymore, this is a chore, we're stuck inside, the weather's horrible, how on earth do we survive this, keep spirits up, and so on. And I thought... Who better to talk to about this than Mr. Resilience himself, (gasps) Russell Thackeray? That would be me. That's very kind of you to think of me. So, um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people worried about lockdown at the moment. And I think part of part of the way actually part of the problem is the way we frame it, don't we? We're talking about surviving Mm. uh, rather than just accepting that Mm. we are where we are and, you know, making making it work for ourselves. And uh, it's a bit like the, it's a bit like that um, idea of fighting cancer. You know, you don't fight cancer; you accept it and you you work with it, and it's a much easier thing to deal with. And I think um, I think one of the things we've got to think about rolling forward is that this lockdown idea could be with us for a long time. I mean, if the government are going to lock the place down every fa- every time the virus is released, you know, we could be looking forward to this a while. So this idea of surviving it, it has to. Yeah. maybe be reframed in our own minds as a sort of starting point. But, and it's interesting because people use that jargon all the time, don't they? Yeah. And it becomes attritional almost. It becomes, you become full of energy because you're having to do this thing where you're fighting and the I think scenario. That, that, that way you frame it's an interesting one, Russell, because I'm, I'm certainly sick of constantly being told by the media to feel miserable about it, to feel bad yeah. about it, the, the pandemic in general. Oh, We've had a rotten 20, 2020. Well, actually, I got the end of 2020 and start reviewing things and thinking, hang on a minute. 2020 hasn't actually been that bad. Yeah. Two new grandchildren. Launched a new business that's that's thriving reasonably well. And don't know. It might have thrived better if we weren't in lockdown. Just don't know because it never existed before lockdown. But actually, probably wouldn't have existed at all if we weren't in lockdown. Um so I left 2020 feeling reasonably upbeat about things. Uh, there is a fact which 2020 happened and it's up to us to decide whether it was good or bad. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. As soon as you decided to dis- it was bad, then that's an issue, isn't it? And as soon yeah. as you decided it was okay, then that's an issue. That's the way we think about everything as human beings because we, t- you know, we use this idea of confirmation bias to find the evidence to support our view. So if you decide something is horrible or you're surviving it or you're having this attritional relationship with your kids and work and yourself and such like, then it becomes a trickier thing to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I I think one of the issues for me was the the news always wanting to report bad things. Yeah. One of the features in our house is somewhere in the background, most of the time the radio is on. Yeah. Um, I've learned to ignore it. And I've certainly learned to stop watching the news on television because that's, never talking about anything positive well i think there's there's two bits to the news there's the bits which is news mm. and there's a bit which is reportage speculation 
um, gawkish sort of sentimentality. And then there's the weather and the weather's broadly factual. So I tend to listen to the first two minutes and the first two minutes of the weather. Uh, and, and it's up to, it's, whether, it's what you do with the rest of the time, isn't it? There's no doubt um, that we are affected by the reportage that happens. And it's an echo chamber, isn't it? So we tend to listen to the stuff that we believe is true. If you watch Sky News, you get a different news feed to the yeah. BBC. Now, what's that about? You know, ITV and Channel 4 report on different things. So we have to remember that news is there to shape our view as well as just to be objective facts, factual stuff. Yeah. And there's probably somebody in the newsrooms that, that's, that's deciding, well, what, what's our take on this news story? Yeah. Well, they're editors. Or that's they, what editors do. Yeah. Yeah. When people say, what does the editor do? They, they decide, the, they decide the, the shape and what's going to be reported on and who's going to be talked about and, you know, the view. The, the, it's that thing about, you know, newspapers. You know, the newspapers aren't there to, to be factually reporting news. They're there to sell advertising. So what they want exactly. is eyes on pages. Yes. And as soon as you realise that, you can take a much more sanguine view. It's the same with social media. You know, no, you've got to be very careful about where you get your facts and then you make the decisions up about how you judge those facts. But of course, what's happened these days is that facts have become increasingly difficult to unpick because so much of uh, factual stuff has been clouded with, with rhetoric and, dare I say, fake news. So part of, part of the tiredness we all feel in lockdown is this, this sort of shoveling through the misinformation and, and the noise of people who have a vested interest in telling us either that, you know, COVID doesn't exist through to it's all a conspiracy to inject us all with 5G devices, you know, as if this go or government could organise that, you know, or even Bill Gates could organise any of those things. But, you know, hey, people are, people are you know, un understand, you know, people believe this thing and it creates a counterfactual, which is, which is a drag on our common sense, isn't it? Because we have to consciously process that. And a little bit of us is, us is taken up with conspiracy theories and listening to them and then beginning to believe them and then seeing all those things shoveled into our social media um, feeds. So be careful what you believe because actually there's vested interest in you know, making sure that you continue to believe those things. So you may as well believe things are okay and you may as well have a mindset that says, I'm going to make the best of whatever this thing is for myself, my, my career, my organisation and my family, because, you know, that's all that really matters at the end of the day. Fascinating, Russell. Absolutely fascinating how, how media can manipulate us. But I guess that takes us a little bit away from the, the general, how do you survive it? And I think the, in the situation room, the, the lady that raised the, the point with the question, how are the rest of you guys surviving lockdown yeah. was coming from a point that work was blur was blurring into downtime there was sort of no division between anything anymore and uh, if you're single person possibly locked down by yourself yeah. or locked down with with your flatmates you know, relatively little social life so on that's in itself a, an interesting situation to say, how do you kind of keep going? It's fine for a short period, but no lockdown three. Yeah. And here it's so, for a long time now. And so in marketing terms, you know, we have to segment, don't we? So the first yeah. thing is you've got people who don't have work at all. 
So you've got people who are really struggling out there and, and their lockdown is, is an issue. They may be furloughed or not. Um, I was talking to my hairdresser, uh, uh, as you can see, who I haven't seen for a long time now. And um, she was telling me she loves the lockdown because she's furloughed and having a great time. And she hates being back at work because she's got to cut hair and such like. But there are people who are genuinely struggling and, and their definition of surviving lockdown is that, you know, they're, they're on food banks and such like. And so, you know, sometimes we have to have a little bit of perspective in our lives. And, and, and I'm always a great believer in this idea of first world problems, because actually we just have to grip ourselves a little time every now and then just go, you know, however bad we are, there are people a hell of a lot worse off than us. So, so however, having said that, I don't want to trivialize people's issues here. So the second thing is you've got people who are single and they're basic. If you think about it, you know, where do you find your partner? Where do you find your social life? Where do you often find your sex life? It's sort of at work, isn't it? You, you know, mm. your colleagues, your friends, your gym memberships, all those sort of things and everything like that's closed down. I've got a friend of mine who um, is a financial advisor. He sold his business. His business was his life. He's um, he's single, so he um, you know he's in his early sixties. He's a multimillionaire. His interests are going to, to tango dancing. Can't do that anymore. Going to the gym. Can't do that anymore. Traveling. Can't do that anymore. And he's sitting at home and massively depressed. Yeah. And there are and people would look at him saying, "You know, right to be depressed." But actually, in that situation, has, multi-millions don't actually don't count. You can't spell them no. exactly. And so and so, one of the things we have to recognize is what, so what's the best of second best. And there are a ton of things which are happening on Zoom now, you know, and oh yes, we're all fed up with Zoom, but actually there is Zoom engagement, there are Zoom parties, there are Zoom events, there are, God help us, Teams events as well, but let's not go there, because um, we both know our views on Teams. Yes. Um, so so if you're single, there are things you can do. And here's, here's a thought, here's a really radical idea. You can go outside, because when you go outside and have a wander around without breaking the law, it's a no, it's a, it's astonishing how good that is for you. Yeah, and, and going for a walk is really, really important. One of the things that I'm really grateful for right now is being a dog owner, mm. because you know, a spaniel that is highly active I come downstairs in the morning. He wants to be taken for a walk before yeah. anything else happens. I know that he won't settle at night unless he's been for another walk. So yeah. it actually gives a very nice bracketing to the working day for me that, yeah. that I come in and once I'm back with the dogs feed them cup of tea sit down start work yeah. and the and other end of the day work normally stops because they're getting restless and say hey, come on you're taking us for a walk yet yeah that for me gives a, a, a definite bracket of what the working day is and what it's not and that doesn't happen for single people because actually what you'll have is they're often at work and then during the evenings they've got no, no one to talk to or work with so actually the nays will work and so yes. what we're seeing and, and I was working with an organization doing some actual evaluation on this what we're seeing is massive leaps in productivity from the workforce yes. at the moment I mean astonishing leaps because actually people are working longer hours and they're more, working more productively because actually there are far fewer distractions when you're working from home yeah. and if and so you're right about bracketing the day and it's important to do that people say oh i can't bracket the day because blah 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 these are just choices mm -hmm. and you, you you've got a working day of how many hours well it's up to you if you want to actually have a couple of hours off the afternoon and do some work in the evenings because actually lockdown has given us that freedom to reallocate the time at which and how we yeah. do work you know it's it's a become an expense it's become a luxury to have transferred all those terrible tedious meetings that we used to attend in the corporate world and now we're attending tedious boring 
ineffectual meetings on Teams and Zoom. And yes. actually what we have to do as organisations is rethink those things. And what we have to remember, at the root of all this is our neurochemistry and the hormonal feeding of cortisol into our system. And just small amounts of anxiety create cortisol. So have this cortisol load rocking through our body, affecting our hearts, our lungs, our digestive system, our um, glucose, uh, our immunology and our brain function. And what we have to do is we have to react differently to the, the load, take more control over what's happening to reduce cortisol that, um, being stimulated. And then when it is stimulated, we've got to spend more time getting rid of it. We have to spend more time than usual dumping out cortisol because we have more, more of it in our system. So you go for your walk, you have dogs, you pet and play with dogs. And when you're petting and play with them, you're not doing anything else. That's all massively good at dumping cortisol out of your system, as is the walk. And yep. then you come back to work and surprise, surprise, you sit down and you feel great because, because the whole process of having that animal looking after, caring, stroking it, going for a walk in the green, breathing fresh air, coming, sitting back, gives you that that that, as you say, that bracketing process. All it's actually doing is dumping cortisol out of your system. So when you sit down, you feel mentally alert, you feel physically a bit more tired. So you probably sleep a little bit better and you get in this positive cycle of cortisol load reduction. And, and what happens for some people is they've got lots of kids. And so they're, they're, rest, they're balancing home learning, school, you know, maybe two partners working from home in different rooms. And because, and because there's a lack of organization and, and just planning this whole thing through, what ends up happening is we end up doing 14 things really badly instead of one or two really well. And multitasking stimulates cortisol because actually we're very poor at doing it. So it's better to say I'm going to spend an hour homeschooling and then an hour working and then an hour homeschooling rather than trying to do both things over three hours. There are very few organizations who have got this right. There's an insurance work, uh, company I work with in, the, um, in London where all, everybody and every management team knows, knows everybody's kids because what they do is they spend an hour homeschooling and then everybody gets on Zoom, but the kids are all on Zoom, but they're all doing the work in the background, whatever age. And if a five-year-old bounces into the screen, everybody knows who that child is now and they all shout, hey, whatever the name of that child is. You know, um, and so what's happened is they've thought very carefully about this mixed working culture. And they've said it's a bit like bringing your garden into your home. What they're saying is you're bringing your family into your working culture. And that's really been great because actually what's happening now is parents are quite chilled because part of the problem parents have is that, oh, my, what happens if the kids arrive? Well, they've all sorted it out and had that conversation and taken control of what's going on and made it work. So what we're, what we're thinking about is how do we make control and choices work for us and how do we get rid of cortisol because they're the things that actually help us survive because if we're inadvertently stressing ourselves out trying to be too perfectionistic pushing cortisol up by thinking we need to do everything brilliantly and then not thinking to ourselves well actually this is a massive 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 opportunity to restructure rethink my working day you know i talk to people who say to me i have a hard stop every lunchtime 12 to 1 i stop and have lunch and they'll say this and then one will say, ah, oh, but, you know, someone will want a meeting. So I'll, I'll do that meeting at the end of it. I'll really feel a bit really guilty because I didn't do a good meeting and I feel worse. They're your choices. Stop yeah. it. Make them. And if you do decide to have that meeting, you know, make it work for you or don't have the meeting. 
and get that person to do you know what I mean. You've got to you've got to be accountable for the choices you make. Now, as again in that same organisation, one person has this um, hour and he has a, 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 a sort of a lunchtime routine and he watches some sort of strange kickboxing thing on YouTube. I can't think of anything worse personally, but he does kickboxing for 20 minutes and has a shower and comes back to work and he's done what you've done. He's dropped the cortisol in his system mm. and he's come back to work and he feels great. So what he's doing consciously is reframing and taking control and choices about the ways he works. And then he dumps cortisol out of his system on a regular basis. You talked about giving up uh, caffeine. Caffeine stimulates cortisol. Yeah. As soon as you start thinking about this, you start realizing that we're, we're a physiological being. Here's, a, here's another one. It's really straightforward, this one. I might spend, uh, not today, because I've just come rushing in and um, we sat down and did this straight away. I spend most of my working life standing up. So I stand up to work and people spend most of the time in front of Zoom's Teams cameras sitting down. So what's happening is the hips restrict the blood, of, blood flow and the blood pools in your feet. And what happens is you become tired, your body becomes tired, but you haven't used it. Because yeah. effectively what's happened is you're not using your body enough. When you stand up and work, you'll find yourself moving around, your arms move about. You go downstairs to make yourself a cup of tea. And what you do is you just do a few arm curls and you, you yep. do a few leg stretches. You get a tin of beans, one, one on each hand, and you just lift them up and down like that three times and then above your head three times. And what happens is you come back and then suddenly your body's moved and it's dumped some, a little bit of cortisol. Oh, that, that is an interesting one, Russell, because if you're in the office, you do tend to move around. A fair exactly. Bit. You go to other people's desks, you have a yeah. chat, you go into the meeting room, whatever. Yeah. And I've noticed, particularly over the last few weeks, what I've been kind of juggling when I'm doing Grow CFO with some client work. And the client work is in, got me ending up on Zoom or teams, the dreaded yeah. teams, far more often than I'd like. I mean, yeah. literally this morning, I started at nine o'clock with a meeting, had about a 15 minute gap before a two hour session at 10, at 10 o'clock, managed to grab a quick lunch before we had the next call at two. Yeah. And you know, it just goes on like that. You're sitting in the same chair. And what you, and what you have free. to, and there's two things. One is that you sit in the same chair and you know when you go out, you feel better. And the second, so no meeting should be longer than 50 minutes or even 40 minutes or even 20 minutes. I mean, I start most of my internal meetings now at 20 to the hour. And yeah. it's funny, it's funny what you can achieve in 20 minutes that we used to achieve in, in an hour. Yeah. That's the first thing. The second thing is the movement is really important in the sort of little exercises and things. That's, you do. that's one of the differences for me is if in a, in a meeting room and if we're, we're talking about something, I'd be naturally a sort of person who would leap up, grab yeah. a whiteboard pen and start yeah. writing things down. Yeah. I probably wouldn't spend very much of that meeting sitting down. And here's my whiteboard over there. And I yeah. got a whiteboard here because of course, when I'm standing up, I can use my whiteboard. Yeah. And, and this is that people, people aren't, thinking about their environment to make it work for them, to make it more effective. The golden rule in meetings is this. If you're in a meeting, you're not working. And what we have to be really careful about, isn't it, that we get to the end of the day, we've been in meetings all day. What are we going to do at the end of the day? We've got to start working. But that's now our work-life balance. It's really fascinating. You know this as a, a finance person. I often sit down with organisations and talk to someone who's really stressed out, and I say to them, how many hours are you working? And it's, they work out their hours and they say, oh, 70, 80. And I say, well, divide your salary by that number of hours. And it's really interesting. I say, that's actually how much you're being paid at the moment. 
Mm. You're happy about that because your salary is actually for this period of time and you're working this period of time. So you're actually getting paid this at the moment. Yeah. That really focuses the mind and stops them working. The very interesting book I read last year before lockdown, I can't remember the name of the author, but the book is called 168 Hours. All right. And the, the basic premise of the book was that the one thing we have all got is 168 hours in a week. Yeah. It's what you do with those 168 hours and how you allocate your time, which is the interesting thing. And she went into an awful lot of how long do you spend at work versus how long do you spend working? That's it. Came to the conclusion that, okay, you might spend 40 hours at work or you might be in one of these organizations that kind of you're supposed to be there before the boss gets in the morning. You don't leave till he goes at night. You end up working 50, 60 hour weeks but then making the observation that most people, when they do a time audit, the amount of time they actually spend doing deep work is probably 50% of that. Yeah. Yeah. So think about how are you allocating your time? Can you do it much more sensibly? Um, Well, it's the ROI of your time that matters. It's, It's that bit about have I generated any value in the last 50 minutes? And most people in meetings haven't. Yeah. And there's, there's certainly a culture that has crept into society in general that you don't do the work that is necessary to do your job. You do the work that's necessary to look busy for a 37 and a half hour week. And, 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 here's, and here's the thing. Our brains are naturally, and there are exceptions, but as a broad thing, Dan Pink used to talk about this. He said 20% of all productivity is not what you do, it's when you do it. Yeah. And there's a lot of good neuroscience evidence to say that our brains are stimulated to do deep work in the mornings. They're less tired. There's less cortisol because it's been dumped out through sleep. Mm-hmm. You've been had your dog walks. You're ready the first couple of two or three hours of the day to do deep work. Really good, sensible, thoughtful stuff, writing business plans, doing huge amounts of analysis, whatever it might be. The afternoon, you tend to be recovering. So it's sort of repairing itself. You know, you've had your lunch. It's coming back to life. You're good for admin. You're good for meetings. You're good for conversations. And then as as the brain comes back, it sort of tends towards the third sector of the day to be more creative. And you'll often find night owls. They'll say things like, oh, I'm very good at night. Well, actually, they're very good at the creative stuff because it's, it's that, that's that third modality. Mm. And it's really fascinating when you audit your day. Most people spend the first two hours doing emails and dealing with the sort of detritus of the date before uh, or somebody else's hot mess on somebody else's desk, which yeah. has now appeared in your, you know, your inbox. And that's writing your best creative part of the day. And instead of being yeah. proactive, you're being reactive and exactly. being in all sorts of ways. So the that's first thing you can do is reshape your day, put all your meetings, all your, all your stuff, all your reviews, all your management type stuff into the second half of the day. That, that's something that's frustrating me right now with, a, with mm. our current client is that, well, every morning starts with a what they call a stand-up meeting. Yeah. Which I don't yeah. mind. I don't mind the 20 minutes, 30 minutes, which is about where are we, what we're doing today. Which is fine. I'd actually prefer it the other end of the day. Yeah. Five o'clock rather than nine o'clock. But the, the, there are two big sessions for the client once a week. Now, 10 to 12 or 11 to 1, which yeah. to me are meetings right in the middle of my peak deep working time. And you kind of go after one of those big sessions, you go and sit down at two o'clock and think, oh, okay, I've got to do this. I've got to write this material now. I've got to produce this deck of slides, whatever. And you're just not in the right place to do it. 
And what's interesting here, Kevin, is that the majority of people don't work the way we do as consultants, where we have a client who tell us what we do and we sort of have to yeah. do it. Most people are employees where they can have a sensible negotiation with their boss. And when you say to your boss, look, would you be interested in more, even more productivity out of me? Most bosses will say yes. And you say, I'm going to do a simple thing. I'm going to answer all my emails at one o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm going to do all this deep, you know, deep analysis, you know, financial reporting. I'm going to, you know, do all this stuff that doesn't involve anybody else for the first couple of hours. You talk to technical people and, you know, technical accountants, forensic architects or, sorry, forensic accountants, all that sort of stuff. They do their best work in the morning. And so what we have to do as managers and we have to do is manage ourselves sometimes is we have to put that right. But you're right as a client. And I have the same problem with my clients. We're slightly behest yes. at their requirements. Now, because they work inefficiently, we have to sort of fit in with that. But the vast majority of the people aren't like us. They, they can have that conversation with their boss. And usually their bosses go, yeah, you're absolutely right. Actually, I've just tried that. And I found that to be effective myself because they're experiencing the same because it's, it's a cortisol burnout. We are burning out because too much of our physiology is being poisoned by cortisol. And once you realize you're poisoning your own body, you can do something about it. And it's not always easy. I mean, you know, having a better meal, having a better diet, eating better fruit and veg, all that sort of stuff. It's all very worthy. And the, tr the trouble is cortisol wants glucose. It loves glucose. So what it actually forces you to do is to have more sugar. So cortisol has a, a vested interest in having, you know, a recovery through glucose. Whereas actually what you want to do is to be giving better dietary uh, inputs through fruit and veg and good meals and all that sort of stuff. And you get into this, you get tired and bored of eating in a sort of a worthy fashion. So let's just have a hot cross bun or six happens. And then suddenly we get into this lockdown lump thing where we we start having less exercise and we start to eat, eating more poorly. We start to have the wrong things. And then what happens? We have more and more cortisol and we become tighter and tighter. And, and once, so when we're talking about surviving, actually what we're talking about is resetting actually our physio physiological and psychological load on ourselves to drive cortisol out of our system more. And you know what, kids, and dogs, cats are a bit more tricky, but um, you know they're great to play with, aren't they? Yeah, having well, I, fun. I, I guess one of the things that lockdown three in January, February, the problem is the weather. There is crap. Yeah. Uh, lockdown one, cycling, and things like that went yeah. absolutely mega. But People this is a myth. Nice, this, light this is a myth. and things. But, but Kevin, this is a myth. Yeah. What's the, the body's natural way? So let's imagine you're driving along. Da, 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 yeah. da, 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 okay. And yeah. you have a, a near accident. Oh, we've all had that. And you swerve yeah. or you, you go up to someone and you say something and there's something say something to you and you walk away. And what happens is you feel, feel this amazing flood of endorphins and you begin to shake. Mm -hmm. Agreed? We, yeah. we can feel ourselves yeah. shaking. What's that? That's the body's natural way of getting rid of cortisol. So there's yeah. nothing better for this than going out in the cold weather and being cold because right. that's dumping cortisol out of your system. So this is a great, people are saying we should go out in the summer and it's all great. Get yourselves out in the snow, get yourselves out for a walk, go and get wet. Guess what happens when you go out in the rain, you get wet? Mm. Nothing. <laughs> 
I'm it's really check, good I'm for you. I'm the, the, the outside weather on my watch at the moment, Russell. It's minus seven here. And it's, uh, it's, it's only minus one. Uh, <sighs> that, that means voice. that the, the evening dog walk is going to be really good yeah. for me. And I'm yeah, it will. Should I go out for that dog walk? It's going to be really slippy outside. It's going to be really dangerous. Yeah, go for yes, it. Yes, I should. Go yeah. for it. Go for it. And the best way in the morning, I, I mean, I'll never do this, but I have read it <laughs> with great authority. I know people who do this. In the cold weather, they always have a cold shower in the morning. I mean, oh. count me out. No, but, count me out. Count me out. Chris yes. Evans went mad on that a few months ago. On the yes. Show, but I'm, I'm not going there with cold showers. But if you go to the latest worker on um, uh, neuroscience and such like and um, physiological repair and rejuvenation and the anti-aging lobby, they're all raving about the effects of cold. And basically what everyone's saying is as human beings, our bodies repair in the cold. They're dumping cortisol out in the cold. I mean, you, we know that people who are based in the Antarctica eat hundreds and hundreds more calories a day and don't put on weight because our bodies are quite poor at getting rid of the cold. So they expend a lot of energy to get, um, to get our bodies warm. And that's why going out and playing with the kids and I'm running racing. I mean, kids don't feel the cold. It's just us adults, isn't it? When we're sort of sauntering along. Blokes from the Northeast, we're we're in a great place to go out in our T-shirts when it's minus three. Exactly. I've done. I've, do you know what? I've moved back to the northeast, and I've had to buy a proper pair of shoes because I mean, I haven't got a pair of pair of shoes I can wear in this weather. I was at my sketches yesterday. Oh, <laughs> that's sick! That's sliding down a hill somewhere. But so, um, you know, I've been out today, and I've deliberately gone out, and I've not wrapped myself up, and mm-hmm. I've gone out, and I've been cold. And actually, you're cold for a little while, and then suddenly you'll discover that you're okay. And, you know, it's the wind that bites you. That's the, that's the sort of thing. But actually being cold is okay because after a little while, your body temperature resets and re-regulates and you walk back into your house and you go, blimey, this house is hot. Don't mm. you? You notice that, yeah. don't you? You've been warm outside. You walk back in, the house is boiling. And then you suddenly realise that that's the temperature you're in all the time. Sitting in the heat saps your energy. Oh, and the best way of getting yeah. energy is for your body to stimulate cortisol. Mm. So mm. We're, we're living in this cortisol factory and being surprised when we're becoming tired, irritable, and we're not sleeping so well. And, and actually our lives feel a bit, just a bit dull because the cortisol robs you of all that excitement and fresh-eyed stuff that you get when you actually are without it. And, yeah. we, and we become comfortable and bored and boring. And that's the worst of all oh, things. That is a, a fantastic explanation into, into surviving lockdown. And we can sum it up in, in two words. Dump cortisol. There you are. Simple as that. So I, th- I think, Russell, in that, I'm thinking about our, our gross CFO audience. And I'm thinking, well, hang on. A lot of our audience are up-and-coming accountants looking for that first CFO role, brand new in that CFO role. So they're in that stage of life. They could be single people they could be not not long married with small kids we've covered that situation of homeschooling and all the rest of it and i know that we've got a significant chunk of people that have come along and and join grow cfo for a a learning experience while they're between jobs and we've we've covered the the stresses and so on around that one as well so that's that's a, a good canter through for for three distinct segments and and somewhere on my site, somewhere on my site, and, and I'll, I'll get you the, the link for this properly, we've got what we call a, a lockdown survival kit. 
and and it has some of the things we've talked about and actually talks a lot about how you build your immune system up because your immunity is compromised by your mind and your neurochemistry Mm. and so you build your immunity up to actually counter the effects of that sort of thing happening so i'll get the Mm. link for that fantastic we'll put that link in the show notes i think one other other thing that came to mind for me and another bit of recent reading atomic habits by james clear oh yeah yeah good stuff um we were talking about dividing things up and he said he's basically saying you know have a room you work in have a room that you watch telly in have a room that you sit and relax in don't mix them up that could be another tip to put in there it 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 would it is but you know sometimes that's not possible i was talking to the uh, um a really senior it guy and he was talking to me about his his living situation and you and you expect a senior it guy to be on a hell of you know quite a lot of money and have a, a vast palatial mansion but he's a second time divorcer you know big family mm-hmm. yep. and he's working off the end of his bed in his daughter's room mm-hmm. and so this is the this is the, and what you know he and i talked about actually it was quite easy to put a shelf up so his computer was up high and he worked standing up and at the end of the day he put his he, he, could, he didn't take his computer out of that room. So yeah. he achieved it, but in a different way. So there are little fixes you can do, even if you're, because the risk is with a computer, what is you, especially your laptop, is you take it out and then it sits in your living room and then you're watching Netflix on it. And then, mm. you know, an email pops up and then suddenly you're working again. Yeah, so I'm, to, I'm, it's I'm, all choice, Kevin, isn't it? Yeah, you have to have the choice. discipline to ignore I must admit, it. I'm, I'm one of the world's worst at that because I'll yeah. be, I'll, I'll, particularly at the moment, I'm juggling things around. I'm doing work for the, client during the day and i'm sitting half watching telly at night maybe uploading a video or sorting a newsletter out for gross cfo yeah and yet that blur definitely happens and another thing that that james said in that atomic habits book about separating things it comes back to that carrying the laptop away was kind of okay your laptop's for work your phone's for social media and maybe your tablet's for reading Keep the devices separate because it's a good way of, of giving yourself that sort of division. But I want to say something contentious now. Yeah. Sometimes you need to spend time with your partner. And I know, you know, I know, sorry, but, you know, there it is. And what we tend to do is we tend to, um, if, you're, if you're with a significant other or a wife or a partner, whoever, and you're there in the evening, you can, in lockdown, there's this tendency of drifting into this sort of, cloud of just being in the same room a lot of the time rather than actually having a relationship and the focus becomes half listening to the television half listening to the uploading and then half listening to your wife now sometimes that's enough you know more more than enough very guilty for that one actually one of the ways we we've broken that a little bit is making sure that uh, at dinner time in the evening we're trying to go into the dining room yeah. where there is no television, no That's distractions, it. and actually you, you eat food and you talk to each other. Yeah, talk to each other. And have the kids there if you, if you want, if you like kids and you've got your kids at home. You know, it's that thing about doing um, things deliberately, exclusively well, mm. rather than multitasking. There's a myth that people can multitask and we can only multitask. So every time we do another an activity and link it to the last one, productivity and effectiveness goes down on both. 
So if you're watching telly, I'm to, I, I know myself sometimes I want to watch the television. My wife wants to talk to me or vice versa. I don't listen to her and I don't quite hear what the television thing was. So I've either got to do, either got to put the telly on pause because it's just quicker, listen to what she has to say and then put the telly back on the way we go. Uh, but, but it's that thing about getting used to doing one thing well. And that really speeds up your life. I, I've noticed that so many times now. I just don't do two things at once ever, unless there are two things I can't be, you know, loading a video up, as you say, and, and watching a bit of um, Star Trek for the 50th time. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's okay, because I know most of the words now. But um... <laughs> In the video or in Star Trek? <laughs> All the Star Treks. <laughs> But, but most of the time, it's about not doing two things at once. And we have to just watch out that the relationships we have are, you know, are not compromised. Because one of the reasons we're tired is that we get bored with each other because we're not spending time with each other. So, you know, it's 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 a really important thing that your significant other, hopefully, you know, it's, I mean, all finance people will tell you that the last thing you want to do is split up with your partner because it's the worst thing for your wealth. So, you know, look after them and look after your relationships in this time because your relationship will make you well. It's the relationship with your kids, your spouses and your pets are really important. Mm. I mean, I think snakes and lizards aren't quite as giving and loving as dogs and cats, but you know, yeah. some people like them. I recommend get a dog because it will drag you out the house. It will give you exercise. And you come back to that being sedentary and so in a lockdown and a lot of people complaining about putting weight on being unfit. I've actually lost a stone and a half in lockdown. Yeah, I did last one. I lost uh, loads. This one I put quite a lot on, but uh, for different reasons. But mm -hmm. but you're right. I mean, you don't have to buy a dog because actually you can just symbolically have a dog. Yeah. So you can act as if you have one. Uh, and actually, you know, for me, I, I go for a walk and listen to a podcast because I don't like walking and exercise. So what I think to myself is, do you know what I want to do is I want to listen to this podcast and I'll do a walk at the same time. I mean, my wife constantly says, here's a letter to post. So I can actually have the excuse to go for a walk and post a letter. So I'll save and I'll do a letter per day because I have to walk to the post office and I'll live up the side of a... I don't know whereabouts. I think everyone's a born a mountain goat in the area I live in. And by the time you've walked to the top of this hill, it's supposed to letter, you've you've done your you've done half of Everest. Yeah, so I, but it's that thing about finding reasons to force yourself to go out. And and here's the key thing in all of this. Don't forget to go out because people lose their confidence because they forget how to go out. And I've noticed this a few times. You know, I was out today um, because I had to go out for work and I had to go and meet people. And there's loads of people out there and they're all sociable and they're all nice and all friendly and all that social interaction, it's all there. And mm -hmm. people are hiding away in the houses as if they're terrified of it. Actually, look after yourselves, look after your own environment, be in control of yourself, look after yourself as it, as it were. Like you were saying, you go shopping in the evenings. But when you're going out and going shopping in the evenings, that's so good for you to get out. You mm -hmm. don't have to hide indoors. You have to be sensible about your health and protect yourselves and, you know, other people. But there's no one saying you have to live like a hermit. No one's saying you have to shield. What you have to be do is, is, be, is follow the rules and be and, and sensible about your health. And that means going out and walking and, you know, having those opportunities that come from getting outside the four walls. Otherwise, you lose your confidence and people are frightened if you're not careful. People lose Absolutely. their confidence. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Russell, with that, I think we've, we've probably cantered through this and spoken for long enough. We're probably yeah. boring people and we're either prolonging their walks for longer than they want to be out of the house or yeah. we're, we're boring them so, into submission. They want to stop this podcast now and get out and do something completely Excellent. different. Go out, get rid of that cortisol. Yeah. So, Russell, thank you very much for being a guest on the Grow CFO Show.
Pleasure. See you again soon. 